We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Hey, I love America. Man. And today is Memorial Day weekend. We're celebrating that. And I thought, no greater weekend to talk about who we are and where we have come from in the church. Because I think we have forgotten who we are. Last Sunday, I said, we are the assemblies of God. And talked about the trend that we have in our nation today of taking the names off of churches. You don't know what denomination they are anymore. It's a trend. We have trends of removing crosses and all those things. And I'm okay with change. I'm okay when they did away with the choirs and the orchestras. I'm okay with that. I don't mind change. My life has changed outside of the church. It might as well change inside the church. But I do have a problem with one thing. When you change the message... You can change the methods, but we cannot change the message. And today I want to talk about what we should not forget as Christians and as assembly of God, Christ followers. This whole thing started with the assemblies of God with a man in the 1900s by the name of Charles Parham. I mean, no, Charles Parham. Charles Parham was an educator and he found some students and he got them together and to be a student you had to sell everything you owned to come and hang out with Charles. For during the Christmas holidays they were studying the word and he sent all of the students home with this one task. Study Acts 1 and Acts 2 and after the Christmas holidays we'll come back together because they didn't know how to handle that part of the God's word. So they went home and they came back and they began to pray. Well, it just so happens that New Year's Eve, they were having an all-night prayer meeting. And at one minute past midnight, January the 1st, 1901, they were filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. So God started off right the first minute of the first day of the new year of 1901. They began to speak with new tongues. They didn't understand it, but Charles Parham said this, once we realized it was a gift, we stopped pleading and begging, and we received it as a gift. Can I tell you today that the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead? We talk about God, we talk about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit is the third person in the Godhead, and he is a gift to you and a gift to me. We don't have to beg and plead. We simply have to ask. Ask and you shall receive. God wants every born-again child of God to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit to empower you for this life. So they begin to look at Acts 1. Watch it. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. My father promised. We know that God keeps his promises, which you have heard me speak about, Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2, 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. Acts 1 and 2. What do we do with it? Well, Charles Parham and his students found out what to do with it. Well, over the next 10 years, this Holy Spirit baptism spread like wildfire. And next we have what is called the Azusa Street Revival. How many know about that? The Azusa Street Revival. The pastor of this revival was William J. Seymour. Now, William J. Seymour was an African-American man. And in those days, most people went to their races for their churches. But you know what Pastor Seymour would do? He said, I want everybody to hear the gospel empowered preaching by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, so he would simply sit and preach with a peach basket over his head. So that nobody would look at him, but they would hear the power and the anointing of a man who was baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit because when he preached, miracles happened. When he preached, healings happened. How many know that God wants to give us gifts of miracles and healings? Empower us. And so he preached the word. It was so powerful that in this revival, I mean, they didn't take up an offering. They didn't receive an offering. They just had these big buckets, sometimes even five-gallon type things, or sometimes wash tubs in the back of the church, and people would come in, and money would fill up overflowing onto the floors. One night, two gentlemen decided, we need some of that money. So they walked into the building. They began to take some of the money. When the Holy Spirit showed up, he is a person. And his person, he says, don't touch my stuff. So those two men were struck down and could not move with the money in their hands. Pastor Seymour and some others went back and these men were paralyzed, couldn't move, and they began to talk to them. They said, they said do you believe? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. They received Christ. And then he said, do you want to be endued with power from on high? Yes. And they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. And they raised up and began to shout and they ran around that place. And instead of taking money out, they went out and got some more money and brought it back in. You see, we don't see and hear those things, but I'm going to tell you why. We understand that history Repeats itself, right? And we need to learn from that. After that Azusa Street revival, this birthed several different churches. The Assemblies of God was one. The Church of God, another. The Church of God in Christ, which is the African-American branch of the Church of God. And also the Assemblies of the Nations. So these decided to get together, and they got together, and they had this big assembly and they began to understand the first thing they could do was argue. I mean, we like to argue in church. So they had an argument about either God being one. I mean, you know what oneness is, oneness, that God is one. And the other argument that God is three, Trinitarian belief. There's a God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit. So they could not agree, so they went separate ways. And then we became what is known today as the Assemblies of God. There have been a lot of people involved in this. 
Great men like Martin Luther. Martin Luther was a great man who wrote the Reformation. Great men like John Wesley who preached the gospel under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Great men like Dwight Moody. Awesome, powerful minister. And then we have E.N. Bell. Now E.N. Bell is very, very uh, uh, one that sticks out to me because he was a Baptist minister who was filled with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues as a Baptist preacher and he became the first chairman of the Assemblies of God. So the first chairman of the Assemblies of God was a converted Baptist minister. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the great powerful evangelists, he had miracle healing revivals. But here's what happened with him. He would touch people and anoint them and they'd be healed of cancer and all kinds of, I mean, the lame were walking, the deaf were hearing, the the blind were seeing, the mute were speaking. It was just like New Testament. Yet he himself, while praying for others to be healed, would collapse under the pain of his own body. And he was never healed himself. He called it his thorn in the flesh. He said, just like Paul had a thorn, I've got this that God will not heal in me, so it keeps me humble to let people know it's all about God and nothing about me. Wow. Women played a role as well. Lillian Trasher, I mean, you know her. One day she was in Egypt and saw a young lady throwing a baby in the dump. She had compassion and saved the baby out of the dump and it started an orphanage in Egypt. Lillian Thrasher Orphanage. Ralph Riggs, He's the founder of the Evangel University in Springfield, Missouri, just up the road from here. Chi Alpha started in 1953 and outreach to our college students. Mark Buntain went to Calcutta, India and started Mission of Mercy because he saw people starving. Feed hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people. Convoy of Hope, 1994, Teen Challenge was started. All of these things birthed out of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, there's an anointing that is there that breaks yokes of bondages. And then as I was putting this message together, there's a very prominent man that I wasn't aware of his prominence until I studied this this last week. A man by the name of Charles Lee. Now, Charles Lee was a great Navajo pastor in Shiprock, New Mexico. He was able to start a Navajo church and it was the first church in the Assemblies of God uh, that was Navajo that became a self-supporting church. That is uncommon even today. And he retired from that church. His son started pastoring the church and he came to where I was pastoring at First Assembly of God in Farmington, New Mexico. And I pastored Pastor Charlie for a long time. He has buildings named after him in Phoenix area, uh, school buildings. He's in the Smithsonian Institute for his art. He started a special way of doing watercolors. It's in the Smithsonian. I have a painting in my office that my wife commissioned him to paint of an eagle for me, painted with watercolors. He is so near and dear to my heart. Great pastor, and boy, he could sing. Oh, my goodness. He would stand in front of our church and sing the Lord's Prayer, and there was not a moment, there was not a time to where the anointing would fall. The the Lord's Prayer. Hallelujah. Powerful man of God. And I was privileged to pastor him. Privileged to preach his memorial service. But these great men and women, we cannot forget them. 
Just like on this Memorial Day weekend, we cannot forget those who've paid the price for our freedoms in America. We cannot forget our heritage of those who went before us and carved out what we have today in the Assemblies of God. We've got to remember. Now, we understand a couple of things. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. At salvation, we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The darkness is gone. We are filled with light. So every born-again man and woman of God is filled with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, there's another work. There's something that you're going to need to defeat the enemy. You're going to need the baptism. The baptizo in the Greek. And this means to be fully immersed like we do today. The old man is dead. I'm rising up new and empowered. Baptism. You have salvation infilling, but baptism is something different. Now you can go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It'd be like somebody going, I want to go to Oklahoma City. Okay, they take out walking. I'm going to Oklahoma City, but I'm going to be empowered. I'm going to drive. Which one would you rather be? We're all going to heaven. It's just, how are you going to get there? What's your mode of transportation? I want the power of the Holy Spirit to help me. I want to be baptizo. I want to have what Jesus says, don't leave town without it. So with Jesus, this becomes something that is mandatory. We need to have the dynamic. This word dunamis, do with power. Dunamis is the word we use in dynamite and dynamic. We should be dynamic churches. We are birthed in power and fire and anointing. How can we who are filled with the Holy Spirit and are dynamic, filled with dynamite, about to explode, how can we take the word of God and make it so boring? How can we take church and make it something that is so boring? It's explosive. We should come in and blow up in our praise and blow up in our worship and blow up in the word of God. Why? There's something. Jeremiah said, there's something burning inside my bones and I can't stay quiet any longer. Wow. Fire. Yeah. You will be filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Whew. man, we take things and we can just suck the fire right out of it. God is good, amen, hallelujah. God is on the throne and we need to worship him and go with you, no. Look what it says this, John 10, 10. We've got to understand part A and B. Part A is this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You have a bullseye on you, on your family. And if you don't have the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it's not a fair fight. But when you are endued with dynamic power, when you get on your knees, it's not just you. When you begin to praise, it's not just you. I mean, we can shout and walls fall down. We can begin to praise and all of a sudden we can lay our head on a lion and get a good night's sleep. We can begin to praise and worship God and go, hey, I thought there was just three. Looks like there's a fourth man showed up. When we go through the fires of life, it's not just us, but there's someone who's walking right beside us who is our advocate, our paraclete, our illuminator who says, hey, I'm gonna fight right there for you. I'm on your side. And if God is for us, who can be against us? 
Wow, how can we have services like we have today? We've got to understand some things. Pentecost experience not only happened on the day of Pentecost, pente meaning 50, so 50 days after resurrection, the Holy Spirit came, sent by God the Father, but it happened two other occasions in the book of Acts. It happened in Acts chapter 9, I mean, yeah, it's Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 19. One was where Peter was at Cornelius' house, at the Gentiles, and the Bible says that while he was still preaching, while he was preaching, they started being receivers of the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues. These were Gentiles. And remember, uh, Pastor Peter had a little bit of problem even going to preach to the Gentiles, and God had to give him a vision that this is for everybody. As a matter of fact, afterwards, some of the others were asking, you mean you preached to the Gentiles and they received? Yeah, I mean, while I was preaching, I didn't even have to lay hands on them. And then Paul went to Ephesus and talked about it last week. They said, hey, listen, we haven't even heard of this Holy Ghost you're talking about. And I gotta tell you, there's a lot of people in this generation we're living in, and they're going, we haven't even heard about the Holy Spirit because we have our controlled services and we cannot allow the uncontrollable to come into a controlled situation. The Holy Spirit is uncontrollable. I talked about that last week. He's wind, he's water, he's oil. He's uncontrollable. We need an uncontrollable God back in our controllable services. Acts 2.39 says this, the promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. So it's like the day of Pentecost started here 50 days after the resurrection and it continues and it will not stop until the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will no longer have need for the Holy Spirit because we will be in the presence of God. But until then, we need the Holy Spirit. We need baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues so that we become empowered, dynamic men and women of God to live this life in victory, to live this life as conquerors. Jesus said this is a promise and a gift. Look at Luke chapter 11, 11 through 13. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is a gift. Luke 3, 15 and 16. The people were waiting expectantly were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water. So that's a baptism what? Listen, with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John says, I give you a baptism of water unto repentance. That is salvation. But there is one who's coming who's bringing a promise with him from the Father and he will baptize you with fire. And what seemed like tons of fire separated and rested upon each one of them. And they began to speak. Listen, this is to be an ongoing cycle in our church. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. 
in my name, they will drive out demons and they will speak in new tongues. Now in studying history, which repeats itself, we find that in the 1700s to the 1730s, there was a great awakening. There was an outpouring anew of the Holy Spirit of God. We find in studying history that in the 1800s to the 1830s, there was another great outpouring of the Spirit of God. We find that we were birthed from the 1900s to the 1920s because there was another great outpouring of the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Have you done the math yet? 1700 to 1720, 1800 to 1830, 1900 to 1920, 2020, 2030. I call it the generational cycle. It's the cyclical part of this Holy Spirit. The first generation, they're hungry, they're thirsty for something that, that is gonna really give them life. And like Charles Parham and these others, they get intense and they begin to focus and they pray and they say, God, if this is real, we want it. And they experience a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The second generation comes along and they see what happened to their fathers and mothers. They see it and it affects their lives as well. And so the second generation comes along and we've got to organize this. We've got to administrate it. That's what happens in the Assemblies of God. We started out in the, in the 1914s and we gotta go, we gotta get this thing organized and get it, so we, we became a movement. The word is not denomination in the Assemblies of God. We are a movement. Okay, because we do not want to be like all the other denominations. We are a movement. But what did we do? First generation had Pentecost. Second generation organized it and administrated it. We've got to have that. Thank God for that. The third generation comes along and they begin to hear all the stories, but they go, hey, we don't have anywhere to live in our churches. We've got to build some churches. And the third generation comes along and builds these big, beautiful churches because they hear their grandparents and their parents talking about it, and so it's our responsibility to build. The fourth generation comes along and they go, wait a minute. All they talk about at church is money because they got all this big debt now they gotta pay off, and guess who's gonna be left to pay it off? The fourth generation. Now they have not seen and heard the Holy Spirit for themselves. They've just heard stories now of great-grandpa and great-grandma Grandma and grandpa say, hey, we, it affected us. We used to have services, oh my goodness, that shot the house down. The kids are going, what does that mean to us today? The third generation goes, but we built these beautiful buildings. Now you guys gotta pay for it. So what happens with the next generation is they come along and they have not had the experience. They, they don't even know that much about God or the Holy Spirit because that's been taken out of the church and they leave God and they leave the church. And that is where we are today. We've got the big debt loads. We've got a pile on the next generation. They don't want it. They don't really care about our God because he's not their God yet. And all they see is us going to church, giving money, 
get put into this, put, and we don't even enjoy it. They go to church, they go, well, what, was, what was the pastor preaching on Sunday? I don't know. Don't care. Yeah. If you ask this generation today, you say you have baby boomers, that's what I am. I'm a baby boomer. And then you have the, you have the generation X, and then you have the millennials, and now we have generation Z. Generation Z, they don't care if you're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Catholic. They don't care. And baby boomers do. We got labels and we stick to our labels. I mean, when you meet somebody, you go, what are you? Well, I'm Baptist. Good. I'm a similar God. We got something in common. I'm Methodist. I'm Presbyterian. Nowadays, you go, what are you? I go to church. What does your church believe in? Don't know. Do you care? Don't care. I'm telling you the truth. I interviewed some couples this week who go to churches and they don't even know what denomination it is. They don't care what the belief system is. You know why? Because they go, they have fun, they enjoy it, and they leave. And it's 50 minutes out. I have no problem with change. That's fine. As long as in that 50 minutes there's somebody proclaiming the word of God under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and they are experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues so they can get on fire and win the next generation just like the generations past because we don't need memorials in our churches. We need places where God meets with his people and the fire falls. Hallelujah. We don't need memorials. We need places. I don't want to go back and go, see this stack of stones? That's where they came through this big flooded out. You should have been there, Jordan. Flooded kind of like the Arkansas River is right now. They walk through on dry ground. I don't want that memorial here. I want people to walk in and go, I want to tell you what's happening now. What happened now? I want somebody to go, you, know, you, you cannot believe what happened in church Sunday. What happened? Had a new song? No. What happened? People got prayed for and they were healed. Whew. That'll change a town. People got prayed for and you know what? Darkness turned into light. Their faces lit up. They began to speak in languages I've never heard of because that's how we communicate with God. You see, when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for us. There's times when I don't know how to pray for you and I, I just allow the Holy Spirit to pray for you because he always prays the will of the Father. There's times in my worship to where my language is limited, but when I worship him in the Spirit, it becomes unlimited how much I can praise and worship and adore my King of kings and my Lord of lords who's sitting on the throne and he's about to lean over to the son and say, son, go get the bride and I can't hardly wait for him to come back and I want to be on fire and I want to be dynamic when the angel shouts and the trumpet sounds, I want to get out of here. Somebody said it's hard to start a fire with wet wood. Sometimes we, we just get all soggy in church, don't we? Yeah. We want to drink it in, but don't want to give anything out. We're not reservoirs. We're rivers. So let me tell you some things that uh, Pentecost is not. We are Pentecostal. Now that word's not used anymore because it connotates a lot of bad things. When I was growing up, Pentecostal meant this. Women did not cut their hair because their hair was their glory. 
Pentecostal meant you didn't wear makeup. Pentecostal meant that the women didn't wear pants. I don't know why all the things were toward the women. Hardly nothing toward the men. It's all women. Couldn't wear makeup. In some churches, you couldn't wear open-toed shoes. Couldn't wear red shoes. You was wondering how I was going to bring these into my message, wasn't you? I remember hearing a, a Pentecostal preacher when I was young. He was an evangelist man. He was a fireballer. He'd get to kicking, and he'd kick his foot up and put it all the way up on the pulpit and leave it there while he's preaching. As a kid, I got, that's got my attention. I told somebody this morning, if you see me put my foot on here and it stays, the next three seconds should be nine, one, one. <laughs> I'm hurt. Pentecostal is not about jumping and shouting and spitting either. I've seen a lot of people who could do that, but it was hypocrisy. Pentecost is the Holy Spirit baptizing you with power from on high. It is not the way we look or what we wear. It is not what we say or what we don't say. It is not where you go or where you don't go. Pentecostal is believing and receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's what it is. Nothing more, nothing less. And we have man that comes along and puts all these added rules. Listen, I had to get through a lot of minutia in my life to get to truth. When I was growing up, I would never be allowed on the platform dressed like this. And I got to tell you, it's not about the outward. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And man, if you want to go outward appearance, I can outdress you and outspit you and outshout you and outjump you. But that's not what's important. What's important is God's looking at your heart today. And we have to realize you don't have to beg and you don't have to plead. When I was growing up, man, you had to tarry. Remember that word, tarry? Tarry in Jerusalem, tarry, tarry, tarry. I didn't know what it was, but I knew it wasn't good. But it seemed like the longer it took you to get prayed through to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the better it was. I mean, if they started praying for you and it happened real quick, it's like they were kind of disappointed. Huh. We, was ready. we was locked in for like two to three hours of prayer time and it took like two minutes. What happened here? You don't have to be perfect to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I was told that as a kid. Oh, no sin. No sin. Nobody's a candidate. I'm telling you, I don't care. After, after you're saved, you're going to have issues with sin. You've got to deal with it. And so we are spotless because of the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of our works. It's his righteousness, not our righteousness. I do believe that we are to live by faith and our works will accompany those who live by faith. And I grew up over here to where it was all faith and no works. Man, they shout you down in the house and then talk about you right after church. And then we had the pendulum swing way over here to where it's all works, no faith. Listen, this thing's all about balance. The word of God is all about balance. Faith and works is what we're about. We've got to be Pentecostal because that's who we are. This is our roots. This is how we get our sustenance. We are assembly of God. 
And the reason I'm a symbol of God is not because my dad was a symbol of God. My uncle was a church of God pastor. I'm a symbol of God because I've studied the word in depth. And this is the closest thing I have found to the word of God. We don't take Acts 2 out and go, well, let's don't talk about that. We don't take it out. We don't take uh, 1 Corinthians 13 out. We don't take 1 Thessalonians 4 out. We don't take all these other passages out. We leave them in there. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than you all. And then he said, here's how to have an orderly church service. There should only be three messages in tongues and interpretations. And the one who gives the message in tongues better be prepared to give the interpretation if no one else is there with the gift of interpretation. Now Paul said, this is the way church should be. I told you last week, I had a previous board member who went to an Assembly of God church and they told him, if you have an, an auction, you know, we got that word too, to have a gift of the Holy Spirit of speaking in tongues, you just quench it on Sunday morning. We don't let that happen in our church. I got to tell you, they're not Assembly of God. Record this message and send it to the general council. We are Assemblies of God and I am concerned. Because the cycle is hitting to where all we're concerned about is money and numbers. Not how many souls are saved and then how many souls are filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That has to be our focus. To equip the saints to do ministry. And Jesus said you cannot do it effectively without the anointing. Don't leave. Wait. Wait. In Jesus' opinion, it is not an option. It is a part of a progression. You're saved, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, now get baptized and then go. First you are disciples, he had 12 disciples. He discipled them for three and a half years. They became filled with the Holy Spirit, then they became acts of the apostles. Some people wanna be apostles without being disciples because disciples means you gotta be disciplined in your lifestyle. We don't like that word today but a disciple is a person who is disciplined. They bring their body under discipline, their mind under discipline, their mouth under discipline, and their feet and their hands and their eyes and their ears, all under the discipline of the Holy Spirit. And we need to have that part of our process, discipline, discipline, discipline. All soldiers, we've got a young man right now, in our, uh, he's uh, Miss Susan's, Grandson, he's going through training right now to be a soldier. They put him in the gas chamber last week. It was so fun. I mean, he come out, his face was swollen, eyes all bulging, tears pouring out of his face. How I many know the discipline sometimes is not fun, but you better be trained. Because when you get out there face to face with the enemy, you better know what you're doing. I talked about it last week, seven sons of Sceva, what happened to them? They prayed, and the, and the evil answered them. Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? Who are you? Well, I'm a child of God empowered by the Holy Spirit because I am Pentecostal. And I am, and you better watch out because I'm headed right your way. And I told you last week, whenever the enemy tries to touch you, he's not just touching you, touching Jesus. Saul heard it from Jesus himself, you're persecuting me. We've got to understand that this Holy Spirit, he's our parakletos. He comes alongside of us. He illuminates the word of God. Have you ever had that happen? Read the same thing a hundred times and all of a sudden read it again and boom, it just lights up. 
That's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives me power in my praise, my worship, my reading the word, in my preaching. You think I'm up here by myself? I would tell you like Elijah would tell the servant, go look again. Because those who are for us are much greater than those who are against us. There's angels all around this place right now. This is holy ground. Another act of the Holy Spirit, you know what else he does? He defends me. Read Romans chapter eight. When we are accused by the enemy, the Holy Spirit shows up as our defender. He looks around the courtroom and God the Father's the judge. We're there being accused. The Holy Spirit is there to defend us. And the Bible says this, where is the accuser? Well, he's supposed to stand up and go, here I am in the courtroom. There's no answer. Who's the one who brings accusations against this person? There's no answer. God says, if there's no accuser, then neither do I accuse you. You're free. We've got to understand today that this Holy Spirit is a person of the Godhead that we must have in our lives today, in our churches again, so that this generation of young people don't go, what is this Holy Spirit? Who is this? You see, I have seen arms straighten out. I have seen people lay on the floor for three hours, hands raised up, and never let them down. I have seen people shout all over the place and never touch one other person. But it was only under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. My dad used to have this phrase, and I'm sure a lot of you have been around church a long time, you've heard it. He said, I'd rather have some wildfire with the real fire than no fire. There's always people that get in the flesh sometimes when, you know, there's an awakening. But most of it is, hey, God woke me up. And I kind of been praying this week, no matter where you're at in your walk with God, you may be a, a person that's been a Christian your whole life. Wonderful. You may be a person that's only been a Christian for just a few weeks. Praise God. I think all of us, because I myself, three weeks ago, got slapped. And I heard these two words, wake up. Wake up. It is time for another outpouring. The cycle is ready. I want to have my hands up, my heart open, my mind ready to receive. God, I want it. I want our church to have it. I made a statement at the altar last week that I wasn't planning on making. It just kind of came out and, and I can't get rid of it. I talked about the floodgates over here at Call Dam. And last week they were open four feet, running at about 30,000 cubic feet per second. And there were people lined up to go down and take pictures of it because the floodgates were opened. And they haven't been open like that since 1986. Well, now, more rain. The floodgates are now open to seven feet running well over 100,000 cubic feet per second. And people are coming from all around taking pictures. Why? Because now they're saying, I don't remember this ever happening. But guess what those floodgates can be open to? 
not 80, not 100. They can be open to 300,000 cubic feet per second. How much power is that? And sometimes we look around and God gives us a little bit of the Holy Spirit, opens the floodgate a little bit, and we go, woo, that was good. And then he goes, that's just like one inch. I can open it up more. Then we get satisfied. God, I got so much more. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Because if you ask, you shall receive. But if you don't ask me, I'm not going to give you the gift. And I think it's time for at PCA for everybody to start asking, I want that gift. If you've already got the gift, it's time for God to say, like Paul told Timothy, fan that thing into flame. It's kind of gotten down to embers. Some of you burned out, wore out. Church is a drudgery. I just come because I have to. No, you don't have to. This is a love relationship. We get to. I get to love on God and how much he loves me. Oh, hallelujah. I've never had a time where I had to worship him. Because it's dynamic endowment of power from on high. It's not my flesh. It's my spirit man inside of me. It just wells up. It's a, I got to flow out somehow. I wished I could dance. I would dance. I cannot. One thing I am good at is shouting. If I'm at a football game, you can hear me. If I'm at a basketball game, you can hear me. I used to embarrass my kids at their sporting events, hollering. But dad, dad, shh, don't keep it down, keep it down. But you know where you can hear me the loudest? In the presence of God. This ought to be the loudest place in town, church. Come on, I'm just telling you the truth. We're not here praising some sports figure. We're here praising in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we do not need to forget who we are and where we're from because it determines where we're going. Now, the sad part of this history is that denomination will die out. You know why? They got so many rules and regulations and administration organizations and they got billions of dollars to keep it going and there'll be a a group of young people who go, I don't want all of that. I just want a relationship with God. And they'll get hungry and they'll get thirsty. And they'll get filled with the power from on high. And all of a sudden you hear about it. There's a little group of people meeting over here somewhere. And man, God's really doing something. Why isn't he doing it in our church? Because we got all caught up in the organization and the administration. And all the bills we got to pay. And all the things we got to do. And the way you have to look. And the way you have to dress. And the way you have to talk. And we get caught up in all that. And God goes, I just want some people who will seek me first. Put me first and I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out upon them blessings they cannot contain. Our riverbanks are not containing the blessings, are they? I want that in my heart, don't you? Stand with me today. You are going to be, and you may already be, in situations that you cannot win without the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Ten-step programs need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Parents, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to handle your kids today. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to get God first in your finances. You need to be empowered to worship in the Spirit. They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. We need to be empowered to pray in the Holy Spirit. He will cause you, He will give you the power to rule your flesh. We are having pastors in the assemblies of God fall greater than ever before. And they're falling to pornography. They're falling to embezzling funds. They're looking around and going, look at all the money coming in the church. I sure could use that myself. You better be careful. Holy Spirit gonna show up and say, don't touch my stuff. Just ask Ananias and Sapphira what happens. Holy Spirit's a bad dude. You want him on your side. You want him fighting for you, not against you. He'll help you rule your flesh. He'll help you rule your mind. Paul said to the Corinthian church, take every thought captive. And he will help you rule your will. Not my will, but thine be done. We're gonna have communion this morning. They're gonna come and get the cup and the bread ready. So those that are gonna help with that, please come. Message. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.